The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lund, and... Me, Rob Davis. We have a spectacular show for you guys today. We will be doing the first part of Blood Rights. Um... My my idea with with how I'm going to say blood rights is um, like a drop of blood falling and then rights is it hitting the water. So blood rights. Ooh, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, you must be a creative so. person. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I am. So yeah, we're going to be doing uh, the very first uh, part of blood uh and um along that uh, alongside that we're also going to be talking a little bit about uh what we've been reading recently um give a little update on stuff with like patreon and stuff um yeah just uh should be a really really good show for you guys today um so rob what have you been reading um I feel my answer might be the same as the last three or four times that we've gone through this question, but I'm still reading the fourth Wheel of Time book, The Shadow Rising, which is getting really good. Uh, if you're familiar with the Wheel of Time, it starts off great, slugs a bit in the middle, and then gets really good at the end. I've got like 200 pages left, which is what, three quarters of The Hobbit? Um, yeah. What else am I reading, Pat? Um, bl- bl- blood rights. I'm reading blood rights. That's always a larf. Um, yeah. And I, I find myself like just picking up the second Dark Tower book every couple of days and reading a couple of pages of that. Um, I mean, the drawing of the three is just incredible. Yeah, it's a drug fueled roller coaster ride of fun. Um, and lucky for me, I've got like four or five copies of that book lying around the house. So no matter where I sit, it's always within reach. <laughs> I wish I was joking, but uh, no. <laughs> um, what about you? Are you uh, Do you have time to read anything at the moment? Yeah, so uh, my life is a, is a swirling vortex of chaos. Um, <laughs> isn't but... everyone? <laughs> isn't everyone, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to 2021. Um <laughs> So, uh, obviously, uh, Blood Rights uh, is top of the list. Um, Still crawling through the Horus Heresy, uh, about to move on to book 17. Um, So that's... that's Did you start that series at the start of the pandemic? I did. That's really good going, then. Yeah. I guess. I believe there are around 45 books so i'm getting Jesus. close to halfway i mean um, it would have been more impressive if you already were halfway or over halfway but i didn't realize the series was that big it's man it's mental <laughs> christ um god damn it games workshop um <laughs> but um i've i've recently uh started looking at the fantasy side of Warhammer. Uh yeah. kind of somewhere between like Warhammer and D D. Um they uh there's a really good um magazine series um which is called Mortal Realms where you like build up an army and stuff. Uh and recently it's been on sale so I bought a couple of issues of that. Um and you get to build like a ghost army, which is very mm-hmm. cool. So I've been reading about them and building them, so that's been good. Um, comic book wise, uh, I've been reading Dark Knight's Death Metal. And all the kind. Sorry, that's the most Bill and Ted thing we've ever done. That is the most Bill and Ted. <laughs> I was getting Wayne's World vibes. <laughs> I mean, same same thing, really. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so uh, I've been reading that and all the time kind of material. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's strange. Like the main the main story, <clears throat> the main story felt I felt was very very rushed of Dark Knight's Death Metal, yeah. um, but then when <clears throat> when you added in all the ancillary content, um, there's some absolutely amazing writing uh, going on there. Um, I I really recommend. Um, there's a Teen Titans tie-in mm. um, that legitimately is is one of the the few comic books for a long, long time that made me feel emotional. Um, I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's basically like the superheroes dealing with the fact that they're about to go into a fight that they're pretty sure they're going to die. Um, and like how the different members of the team Titans deal with that. Uh, and there's a particularly touching, um, section with Nightwing, uh, finally tells Barbara Gordon that he loves her. Um, and, uh, Batgirl's like, it's too late. Like you waited too long kind of thing. And then Batman basically appears and is like, it's never too late. With the power invested in Batman, I pronounce you man and wife. And then just like flash bangs out of there. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I I just kind of loved Batman for doing that. (laughs) It's very, it it sounds like a parody. Like the, um, Oh, what is it? How it should have ended, superhero cap. Yeah, yeah. It kind, of, it's like, kind of Batman at his best. Um, but like, there's there's like a great Batman, um, story in that as well, where like, he, it, it, you get like the internal monologue of all the things that he wants to say to all of the, um, all the the Bat family, like Rob, like all the Robins and stuff. And then it's like, it goes on for like three pages and they're all just like stood there, like looking at him. And then it just ends with him saying, um, like, like going to say all this stuff. And then he's just like, does everyone have what they need? Here's some bath rangs. I've got to go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which uh, I was like, yep, that, that tracks. That makes sense. Um, So yeah, so that's cool. Um, slowly getting around to reading uh, X of Swords, uh, which was the big oh, X-Men yeah. crossover event. Yeah, so they had um, they had like a, a big premium release of it that was fifty-two pounds, which yeah, in I, dollars I think would be like it's like eighty dollars. I, I was that's a lot of grabbing money. it, but I honestly don't think I could hold open a book that thick because it's like a thousand pages. Yeah, it's like a thousand pages, and it's it's too much money for anyone to spend. So, um, I uh, I've opted for there's like a oh, it's really strange part one and two, didn't they? Yeah. So in England, we have a, a company called Panini Publishings, which have a, a really old agreement with Marvel, where they're allowed to print certain Marvel comics, but not all of them. Um, and they can print them at like a discounted rate on shitty, shitty paper, um, which is often, um, it, it, I mean, uh, several of the Panini publishing uh, stuff that I've got has like twice as many errors as any Marvel printed work. I don't know <laughs> what they do, but it's always fucking ridiculous. Um but it's like half the price. So they're releasing X of Swords 1 and 2 uh, on June 1st. Um, and it's like £10 for each of them. Um, in switching like dollars is like $15 for each of them. So it's like $30 instead of like $80. Um, so that's probably what I'm going to do and just put up with the shitty, shitty quality. Yeah, I pre-ordered um, the um, 
the omnibus of it, but the paperback one that's due out in like end of September. Because my thinking is that I've still only read the first two issues of uh, House of X, Powers of X. Um, oh yeah. And I just don't have the time to read them. And I bought a few of the copies of X-Men, uh, X-Force, and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, and by, by the time X of Swords in paperback comes out, I would have finished my degree. So I'm kind of gambling with the idea that I'll actually have time to like, catch up a bit. Makes sense. Where, uh, how you found what you've read of House of X, Powers of X? I mean, it, it's I like it, but it's also very typical John Hickman. Where it's like quite, he, quite hard sci-fi, like, I suppose. Yeah, like individual scenes, and then you get those big like splash pages where it's like a novel. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's he has he has a very interesting approach. Um, I quite like it because they, they've continued it across all of the X Men lines, where like they've got those individual pages where like there's either like a big diagram or there's like novels and stuff um that and it's continued across the whole line which is pretty cool um but yeah it's it's strange there's a uh there's a, a series that he did i can't remember the name of for image comics which was all about like a a global like economic conspiracy that was bringing back satan or something that sort of that sort of nice. thing um uh, and it it was like it had like breakdowns of like the bank accounts and shit mm-hmm. um and it i mean it, it was uh like seeing like the always sunny in philadelphia pepe sylvia yeah. uh wall it, it <laughs> i mean it got way too crazy <laughs> but um yeah i, I can live with uh uh, the the level it gets to with like X of Swords and stuff. Cool. Uh, so I think that that's I think I think that's everything. Um, yeah. I've got loads and loads of stuff on my queue. Um, I I've been wanting to uh listen to Richard Ioadi's um, I think it's Ioadi on film. Yeah. Um, that that's been on my list for ages and ages and ages. Um, and I'm I'm trying to make some time for that um if if you don't know richard iardy um he he, my understanding is that he played a character in a british sitcom that went on to inspire sheldon from the big bang theory um and he yeah apparently moss from the it crowd was one of the influences um So you can kind of generate a, a picture in your head about what he might be like. <laughs> and the, the the character in the sitcom was not that far from him in real life. <laughs> yeah. I've never really thought about it before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of where, where we're at. Um, so yeah, uh, just touching base with uh, our Patreon pals. Um, we are still we're still committed to the Patreon. We're still uh, cracking out and putting together content for it. Um, we're we're really really happy with the the like interest that we've had so far, and we'd love to get some more patrons in. Um, basically, uh, yeah, we're doing um, Paranet Quest, which is. Uh, the Adventures of um, Rob's John uh, Rob's John Graham uh, through a magical otherworldly England, drawing upon uh, our extended friend group uh, for like um, various RPG quests. Uh, we're hoping to get the actual questing recorded pretty soon. Um, so we've got that. We've also got bonus episodes. So um, that's just us talking about if you kind of if you like our what have you been reading recently sections. It's very much in that sort of vein. Um, so uh, just talking about how we feel about anything vaguely paranet related. So it can be um, something like 
like comic books, it can be movies, films, uh, anything really. Um, so it's a, it's a really good like mixed bag of different uh, different content bits and pieces. Uh, that's really really fun. Um, so yeah, it's all going really really well. Um, the uh, lowest tier gets you episodes on a Sunday, and we've been pretty good at keeping to that. Um, so, uh, you get episodes on a Sunday instead of on a Wednesday. So you get them four days early. Um, and it only costs you, um, a, like less than a cup of coffee a month. Um, it's, it's really, really, really cheap. Um, I think I'm right in saying, isn't it just one pound, Rob? Um, I can verify. I think the lowest tier is one pound, then it's two pound. And then I think it's. I want to say four pound. Bear with me just a moment, and I can confirm. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm just getting it up now as well. Uh, for you guys. Hey, you guys. So cool that I am. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no creators match this name. Bullshit. Okay, so uh, we've got uh, first tier is Macinelli's regular, which is one pound fifty a month. Uh, in dollars, I believe that's about $2 uh, a month, which is, I mean, less than, I, I, I think of it in like magic cards. It's like <laughs> less than half a pack of magic cards. Um, then Warden of the White Council is £2.50 a month. So that's what, that's about $4. That is a, that's about a pack of magic cards. Um, and then uh, Member of the Paranet is £4 a month. So that's like $6. So that's like a pack and a half of magic cards a month. So uh, first here, you're getting uh, extra episodes on um, on a, a Sunday uh, with the uh, four days before release. Uh, second tier, you're getting that bonus episode where me and Rob talk about whatever um, once a month, uh, something kind of loosely related to Dresden Files. And then finally, member of the Paranet for that £4 a month, uh, you're getting uh, the bonus episode and also the Dresden Files RPG. Um, and we are going to start putting up votes uh, so that you guys can have input on what those bonus episodes are going to be. Uh, so if you don't want us to talk about something or you really do want us to talk about something, um, that's that's hit us up in the bonus episodes, man. Uh, that's that's where you'll get all that beautiful goodness. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of it. Oh, and we have the Discord server. So uh, no matter which tier you join, you can come and talk to us on the Discord server, and we've been having some really good conversations on there. Um, it's um, it's where we talk about kind of um, so most episodes we have our like para networking questions where we talk about. Uh, kind of theories and stuff uh, and um, recently we've been putting that to the discord server and having like a good little chat about um, what do you think the answer is to to a or b or whatever um, and it's got some really good uh, it's kind of developed into like a little friendship group um, I really like it um, like and we'd love you guys it's casual you know yeah it is it's very casual um and if you want to be a part of it, we would love you to be a part of it. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. Um, we we were talking the other day about uh, like um, one of our our page our Discord members was saying that like uh, I just want I, I like I've had a really tough week, um, and I really enjoyed that because I was like yeah just like pull yourself a nice glass of coke. Uh, and just uh, like sit down, settle in, listen to the podcast. It's been a really good episode. Um, and and they said that they, they it helped them, so that was lovely. That's really nice to get. Um, so yeah, uh, we'd love you to come and join us. Um, and see you over on the Discord. Right, time for blood rights. um so this is our dresden files book club mine and rob's uh herculean attempt to uh 
make our way through the entirety of the Dresden Files series, you may be wondering what has happened to the comic book uh, aspect, the ghoul and goblins comic book uh, that was between uh, books two and three, I believe, um, that we still have not covered. It's coming. Rob's got the comic. We are reading it. We will be doing not one episode uh dear viewer no 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 we will be doing two back to back episodes uh discussing that comic book uh which is it it's good it's surprising there's a, there's a lot for us to dig into there so i'm really looking forward to that um but uh that will be coming up in a couple of weeks uh now is the time of blood um and we are going to be diving in um uh, and and getting getting into blood rights today uh so Justin files uh, book club um every week we do last time on the Dresden files uh where we cover um what happened last time uh normally we do four chapters from the previous week uh this time cuz it's, it's a first uh, episode. I'll do a little summary of uh, the last book, which was Death Mass. Um, and then we do this time on Justin Files, which is normally four chapters. This week it will be four chapters, uh, which uh, Rob always covers. And then we do uh, our little breakdown, literary criticism, uh, and general chat uh, about the book and what we like, what we don't. Uh, what we're excited about in the chapters, um, any of like our favourite passages. Sometimes we we quote, sometimes we don't. Um, and yeah, that's that's how the cookie crumbles. So, last time on the Dresden Files, uh, Harry was tra- uh, was challenged to a duel by the nefarious Count Ortega of the Red Court of Vampires in order to end the war between the vampires and the wizards. Uh, Harry was also hired to find the stolen Shroud of Turin, which brings him into a head-on collision against the Denarians. Strike of lightning! Uh... A group of fallen angels led by none other than Nicodemus Arcleone. Uh, He teamed up with Michael Carpenter and the other Knights of the Cross to help uh, find the Shroud of Turin. Uh, Meanwhile, Susan is back in town. Uh, The bitch is back and she wants to break Harry's heart. Um, Not really. She kind of still loves him. It's all a bit confusing. She was bit by a vampire. These things happen when you are a wizard. Um, In the end, uh, Harry uh, and Susan team up uh, for the duel, which is overseen by the archive, the sum total of human written knowledge, um, also known as Ivy, and she likes dolls. Uh, a young girl uh, who, um, yeah, is a sum total of all human knowledge. Uh, and her bodyguard, <laughs> Kincaid, uh, the John Wick of the Dresden verse. Um, a man that carries a, a golf bag full of dragon fire shotguns wherever he goes. Um, unfortunately, Ortega being a nefarious count cheats at the duel um, only to be shot by one of Susan's associates, Martin. Fucking Martin. Um, Martin. Um, uh, he escapes. Count Ortega escapes uh, and unleashes a bunch of red court vampires. Uh, luckily, Ivy, Kincaid, Susan, and Harry are old hands at this. Red Court Vampire is little more than a fly to them. Uh, they put them down like the dogs they are. Um, and then uh, Harry's uh, mentor, Ebenezer McCoy. What's up, Haas? 
uh, Ebenezer McCoy drops a freaking satellite from orbit on Count Ortega's compound in Casa Verde, South America. Uh, then Harry teams up with his long-time nemesis, none other than Johnny Marcone, uh, the kingpin of Chicago, to bring the smackdown to Nicodemus Archeon. Um Retrieving the Shroud of Turin. Oh. Uh, however, Nicodemus escapes. Um... Uh, Marcone actually makes off with the Shroud of Turin. Uh, Leaving the Knights of the Cross uh, one man down. Uh, Unfortunately, their leader, Shiro, Shiro, uh, uh, is laid low by Nicodemus. But Michael and Sanya and Dresden escape with their lives. Marcone gets off with the Shroud of Turin. Um, and we cut to a final scene where Nicodemus shows up at Michael Carpenter's house and tosses a coin out of the car that will possess anyone that touches it. Uh, Michael's youngest child, little Harry, uh, goes to pick it up, but big Harry, uh, stops him and claims the coin for himself. Precious. Um, and that is where Death Mask ends. Over to you, Rob. Cool. That was dramatic. I loved it. <laughs> top that. <laughs> I I'm not even gonna try and top that because it just it just won't be the same. <laughs> um, so yeah, blood blood right starts with Wow, and I was about to say Blood Rite starts with Chapter 1. Obviously, it starts with Chapter 1. But it starts with maybe the most quotable and memorable opening line of the series. Because I, I, every time like you're going through like various different online forums trying to find out, oh, what's your favourite Dresden Files quote? This one comes up quite a lot. And yeah, the opening yeah. line, the building was on fire and it wasn't my fault. And it, I mean, compared to like... Oh, wait. oh man, like, just compared to like every other book we've had so far, and maybe even the books that come after it, to be honest, like, there just isn't an opening line as strong as that. It's all, it, I mean, it's it's always good and pulls you in, but it's never, like, in, in the middle of, like, action, in the heat of the moment, giggity. <laughs> um, but yeah, Harry is trying to escape this burning building while carrying a box of puppies as like these horrible demon monkeys are throwing flaming shit at him, which, you know, is all in a day's work for one Harry Dresden. Um, and if you're interested in puppies, the puppies are Tibetan guard dogs. Yeah, is that a real breed? Um, I don't think it is, because there's a lot of speculation I, I was asking what? Kerry because she just came oh. in the room. She hey, she, said, she just said mastiff. So yeah, um, but yeah, Harry's been hired to retrieve these pups, these beautiful young little doggies. Um, mm. Yeah, so you're not having a good time when flaming demon monkeys are throwing like their poo at you, and it explodes. But Harry manages to make a daring escape, and he reaches the blue beetle, but. The Blue Beetle's being driven by none other than Thomas Rafe, which, and the, the scene that kind of plays out is very reminiscent of um, the first Indiana Jones film. Like, you've got him, like, being chased by all the demon monkeys, and he's running towards it with a box of puppies just shouting, Start the car! And it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is just the opening scene of um, the first film, which I can't remember the name of. Uh, My mind keeps saying Temple of Doom, but I know it's not Temple of no, Doom. No, Temple of Doom's number two. Raiders Last of the Lost Ark. Number three. Raiders of the Lost Ark, yes. Yeah. I, I knew it had the word Ark in it, and that's all I could remember. Because the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, and I was like, that that's not the name. But um, yeah, we, we, we hop in the car, and Thomas is like, what the shit is that? And he's like, 
shut up and drive. Um, and all the, all the while, like Harry's trying to reach for his blasting rod, and he manages to slam a massive ball of fire straight into the lead, like the big honcho of the group, this big ass monkey demon. Um, yeah, they they finish it off as well. But I mean, we we find out as well that Thomas has been helping Harry for a while now. Um, the motives behind this are quite unclear why, because the last time we saw Thomas, if you remember, he was uh, Count Ortega's second at the uh, duel. Um, mm -hmm. I think even at this point, we don't get a straight answer. But we, we know that Thomas, he asks for something in return. He, he just straight up says, I've been helping you for a while. I want something in return. And naturally, Harry is a bit like... Uh... But... Um, yeah, the task that Harry's given here is that Thomas wants him to investigate some issues for his friend, a film director. Um, and yeah, like I think it's—I don't think we're actually clued up in what that involves yet. But um, Harry agrees to this to help his like friend out, but on the condition that Thomas tells him why he's been helping him, like afterwards. Um, yeah, nice, nice short chapter, and it's a really solid opening. Like, I mean, like I say, compared to previous openings where it's been, it's been that kind of standard start of an episode kind of thing where it's like, oh, I woke up because the phone was ringing and it was someone being like, are you Harry Dresden? I've got a case for you. Um, mm. Like that kind of vibe. So it, it was nice just to kind of, fucking hell, like just dive straight into the deep end of the action, I suppose. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, chapter two, like, I should also mention that these chapters are really, really short, which is uh, interesting for the sake of the show. Um, yeah, chapter I was going to say, it's kind of a blessing and a curse for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a blessing because it, it took, like, no time to go through it, but at the same time, it's just kind of like, I'm not sure there's going to be much to talk about, but in any case, I'm having the time of my life. Uh, but yeah, Chapter two, Harry drops the puppies, the puppies, the puppies off with the client. Um, the client hints that there is a puppy missing, but Harry he, he claims that you know he got all the puppies that he could find in the building. Um, and there's a really, I mean, I, I I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but I found it funny that the guy was like, oh, well, I suppose some is better than none. Like it's not yeah. worded like that, but it's just like, oh well, at least there's some puppies here. And it was final. Okay then, sure. Um, but yeah, Harry then returns back to the car, and like Thomas drives them to uh, his new client. Um, as they get to the little security kiosk, like at this place, um, Harry starts hearing like a little bit of a growl, and he realizes that one of the puppies is uh, you know stowed on the uh, blue beetle. As he goes to kind of check on this puppy. They're attacked by a black hole vampire, and the puppy was warning them of the danger. Mm -hmm. And then we roll into chapter three, which is Harry managing to fend off the black hole vampire. Um, and I completely love this moment because he reaches down towards like this box that's just under his. I think it was under his seat in the car, and it contains what he's referring to as like his secret weapon against vampires, and it's just a water balloon full of holy water and he's got like three of them but he slams this like water balloon against the vampire's face and it, it begins screaming in agony like all the flesh is kind of burning off of it and I, I mean I don't know what Thomas was doing up to this point because the fact that he has to turn to Thomas and is like help <laughs> before Thomas is actually like oh yeah yeah sure and yeah, Thomas like kicks this vampire out of the car and through the wall of this security kiosk. Um, the vamp, I think it takes another hot water balloon before retreating. Hot water balloon, um, holy water balloon before retreating. The vampire, in any case, makes a, makes a run for it basically. And Thomas is like, "Oh, it's getting away," and he he goes to try and intercept, but Harry's like, "No, like this has got to be a trap because there's only one of them," and. He also recognises the vampire from uh, Bianca's Masquerade from Grave Peril, the third book. Um, yeah, that kind of ends the little 
set piece of action there. And Harry collects the stowaway, which, like, like, like we said, is one of the um, Tibetan guardian puppies. Um, yep. And yeah, like it, it's getting pretty dark, and they feel like they're being watched. And Thomas, you know, sensibly suggests that maybe they should get indoors. And we roll straight into chapter four, where the part the pair arrive at the party that's being held for Harry's new client, Arturo Genosa, which, what a name, you know? And he's a, uh, we find out he's actually a porn film producer. Um, which, I mean, is, is kind of typical of Dresden Files, I guess. I mean, in, in the sense of it's like, the whole kind of style of clients that he gets, it's always like in the dark and dingy like parts of Chicago. I guess I mean, it, it, it's that whole noir thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, like everyone's got to be a little bit sleazy, I suppose. Yeah, but um, yeah, the Arturo is, you know, he he's very paranoid that there is a curse preventing his new film and the new film company from being like a success, and more importantly, the film itself being produced and completed. Um, two people have already died, like through this whole shady scenario and three of his ex-wives are suspects which you know don't shit where you eat I suppose or don't eat where you shit whatever you want to say um, Arturo wants to hire Harry to protect the cast and crew which he agrees to do under the guise of a production assistant so he, like no one else is there is going to know who Harry is what he does etc etc um we also meet Justine again, who I don't think we've seen. I don't know if she appeared in the last book. I don't think she did. But um, she appeared she... at the masquerade. Was the last time we saw her. Yeah, that that's what I thought. So yeah, she also hadn't appeared since uh, Grave Peril, the third book. Um, and she she starts showing her concern about you know Thomas being attacked by the Black Court, and he's being a bit. I don't know how to describe it. He's just being a bit weird about it, and he starts doing like the whole white court thing. Like he, he like looks into her eyes, just the whole seduction thing to get her to relax. And Harry disapproves of this quite strongly, and is you know stop messing with her head. Um, yeah. And Thomas defends his actions, saying that you know the less she knows about me, the less she knows about my family. Like if people think she is just, you know, food or whatever, then she's going to be much safer than if <clears throat> if they know the truth that, you know, they're in a relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of it. Um, Harry then departs for his apartment, which is, uh, yeah, where we, where we wrap up these chapters. So, uh, yeah, yeah what, what did you think going into Blood Rites? Because, I mean, it's probably too early to tell, but... I, I know we've both kind of agreed that we get this book confused with uh, White Knight, book nine. Yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting because the next couple of books each have a focus around a particular aspect of the, the magical community. And this book and uh, book nine both look at the White Court quite heavily. Um, so I think that's where where the confusion kind of comes from. Mm. Um. So yeah, uh, I I mean the opening scene is a classic. Um, I think there's there's a couple of uh, like illustrations and stuff out there of of this scene of like Harry running away from these monkey demons throwing flaming shit, um, <laughs> which is kind of awesome, uh, and I love that. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's it it's a great like. Where here we go again, kind of thing. Like, um, I think because Dresden's so well established at this point, like we're five books in. Most most readers are going to know what his deal is. Um, yeah. It's a good way to just be like, right, let's just get going. Um, obviously, seeing Mouse appear for the first time is awesome. Uh, absolutely beloved character, um, and. It's so cool, like, because we know a lot of what he does in later books and stuff, and you you get that here 
already like you can see the dog's personality coming out, which is so cute uh, and and just really really sweet. Um, getting a lot more Thomas Wraith here. Um, the opening of this reminds me a little bit of the opening of book three, where we get Harry and Michael across, going across the city to stop. Um, is it Agatha Hagglethorn? Yeah, that's the uh, one. Yeah. Um, and in that book, we got a lot more of, of Michael. Uh, I mean, we got the introduction of Michael. Um, and here we get like uh, the introduction of Thomas and uh, not the introduction, but like the building upon of Thomas. And it's clear that he's going to be a, a bigger player and all in this book. Um, and I really like that. I really like um, he's a really interesting character. And we're starting to see like the the character arc, I guess. Like there wasn't really an arc to him in um, book three. Um, yeah. It was just uh, like, yeah, he's, he seems to be an all right dude um, who's trying to do the best he can, I guess. But he wasn't really we didn't really understand much about him. Book four, um, he wasn't in it. Uh, book five, Death Masks. Um, sorry, I, yeah, I think I was... Did I did I call this book five at some point? Anyway, this is book six. Sorry. <laughs> just um, yeah, just in case I did. Uh, but yeah, um, God, we've done so many so already. Uh, <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, so yeah, in the last book, um, we saw Thomas very briefly and he was—he still didn't seem to have much to him. Like, we, we, so far all we've really had is that he's a, he's a solid dude um, and is more good than bad, but not much more than that. Whereas here we get, like, more of his relationship with Justine, more of, um, he has friends and people he cares about, we understand that like there's conflict within him. Um, and we also understand that there's conflict between him and Harry. Uh, like the stuff that he does that Harry is not happy with, hmm. um, like using his white court powers. And that's really interesting for an ally. Cause like Michael Carpenter is more like the Superman of the series, like perfect boy scout does everything right. And even looks down on Harry and is like, I don't like a lot of what you do. Um, whereas it's it's flipped here, and it's like Harry's the one that's like, "Come on, Thomas! Like, don't don't be feeding off people. That's bad." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's an interesting setup. Um, as for like murders in a porn studio, um, very very noir, very Dresden feeds well into the white core all makes sense um to be honest like i remember reading this the first time i thought this was going to get seriously smutty um yeah it's and yeah sorry <laughs> no, no um like it's it's really funny like the the last book and the the famous like uh graphic sex scene with Susan um, is way, way uh, worse than anything we get in this book when it comes to kind of like the smut factor. <laughs> um, it like the most I remember, I, I mean, maybe, maybe it has been a while since I've read this, but the most I remember is just like, yeah, there was naked people around. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty much the same feeling. This end, I, I as soon as I read on the blurb that um, you know the client's working as a you know porn director, I was just kind of like, oh here we go, this is where the series just like degenerates into mindless <laughs> sex and all that kind of stuff, um, and that's what I was fully prepared for, which is maybe why I enjoyed Blood Rites a lot more uh, the first time round than I thought I would. Because I just kind of prepared mm. myself to be completely disappointed, and it turned out to be like any other Dresden book, really, really good. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I I almost think that you could have just said that this was like a film set. It didn't necessarily need the the porn angle, but I get that. Obviously, it fits into the white the white court and their their shizners. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a good cover for like because there's so many like um, I don't I don't even know what you'd say like I guess like sexually aggressive people uh, <laughs> around or like uh, like openly sexual people that it's easy for a white court vampire to blend in yeah because uh, that's kind of their shiz that's um, probably why yeah. then. Yeah, I guess that that's the thing it could cover for all that. And also, there's just a really funny picture of all these super, like, sexy people uh, traipsing around, and then Harry being the only, like, non-sexual person. <laughs> uh, just, like, stood in the background in his trench coat. Um, uh, like, I, I enjoyed Arturo, the director. Uh, I think he's quite a good character. Um, like, <laughs> it made me think uh, of one of mine and Rob's very first projects together. Um, we <laughs> we briefly wrote a sitcom set in a uh, in in a porn studio. Um, do you remember, Rob? I I do. It was called Skin Flick. It was it was called Skin Flick. <laughs> Uh, and and I just feel like Arturo was the main char- was one of the main characters that we planned. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, needless to say, the project wasn't approved by our lecturer uh, for, for many good reasons. I found the uh, like our notes on it a few a few years back, I think, after we graduated, and I was yeah. just like, yeah, this is this is shit. It, I mean, it was our very it was one of our very first cracks at trying to write a sitcom. Yeah. And yeah, it was about as as good as that can be. Uh, <laughs> we we were still finding our feet as writers. Let's let's just leave it at that. Um. <laughs> um so yeah, uh, great couple of chapters. Um, is there anything that you wanted to, to talk about, Rob? Uh, yeah, I was. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I didn't get it so much the first time round because I think I knew about the puppy but um i mean this time around i'm trying to like because i don't really remember how it plays out the puppy's role in this book specifically i was trying to like really i don't know try, trying to protect like going into it pretending that i didn't know what was going to happen at all and it kind of gave me a new kind of view especially after um death Mask. it gave me a, a, like a different view on this book and i feel with 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 the subplot with the puppy at the moment, especially more so as we go into the next episode, um, like he he dumps the puppy on Bob, he dumps the, he tries to give it to Murphy as well, um, but I, I I'm enjoying it as a subplot so far. It's kind of it, it it goes back a bit from what we had with the previous two books, where like the world is completely at stake, and I think there's a passing comment from Thomas in one of these chapters where he's like, is it true you saved the world like the last few years in a row? And yeah, I feel I think the, the, the whole subplot with the puppy as well just kind of adds that it, it just makes it a bit more fun, a bit more lighthearted, I suppose, which I mean, definitely isn't the case overall, but I, I just wondered what you thought of that so far. Yeah, um, I was trying to find the, um, I was just trying to find the exact bit where it's first introduced, but I remember reading this and thinking, Dresden's going to have to give this this puppy back. Mm. Um, And, I mean, again, it just builds up, like, the mouse, the the character of the dog that he doesn't want to, like, no matter what Dresden does, he doesn't want to leave um, Harry. Yeah. Uh, which I kind of love. Um, yeah, I, I think reading this for the first time, I didn't think that he'd become uh, a staple part of Team Dresden the way that he does. Um, no. and, and I like 
how over this book and the next book or two we get kind of Mouse's growth as well. Yeah. Like it does set up a character arc, which I really enjoy. Yeah, it's yeah, like it, it's definitely inter- it's a really good addition as well. And I, I mean, I'd be interested to know, like, what Jim Butcher's what was going through his head when he decided to add a puppy as like a permanent character as well. I mean, I think the guy likes dogs. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's a good point. I think I knew that, uh, but I mean it. it it also kind of makes me think of um, like the Fallout games because you're normally lumbered with like finding a stray dog or like the old family dog like appears or something like that, and yeah. it just kind of joins you in your quest. Yeah, um, I I get that feeling here. Save. Um, just the loyal dog that stands by Harry no matter what, um, which is kind of lovely to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard not to fall in love with Mouse straight away. I'm, I'm still trying to find the, um, just his introduction. I think I've got it actually. Um, so it's just before the Black Court Vampire attacks, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So, um, <laughs> a lot of Harry and Thomas talking in this first chapter. <laughs> um, while I'm while I'm looking for that, um, uh, so I'm trying to think if there's, if there's much more to cover here, really. Um, no, like-, like you say, it is still quite a slim couple of chapters. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's really like the the first four chapters are really good for introductions and bringing us back into the world, but unlike maybe the previous book, it doesn't feel like there's much to really unload. Yeah. But yeah, I get well, that. I still enjoy talking about it. So who the fuck cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm really struggling to find this, this particular bit. Uh so um so I think uh oh here we go. Uh the puppy snarled and bat and batted at the wriggling bit of rotted ear. I picked it up as lightly as I could and tossed it out. The grey and black puppy was evidently satisfied with that course of action. He sat down, opened his mouth with a doggy grin. Um that's not quite when we get the like it just oh here we go here we go um squeaky growling nope that's just for um because he he starts barking when the vampire comes uh, a, uh yeah it's a squeaky bubbling growl erupted from directly below my seat. I flinched. What the hell is that? Thomas said. I pulled up to the guard kiosk and stopped. I reached for my magical senses and extended them towards the source of the growling. Crap, I think it's one of the sort of greasy, nauseating cold flowed over my perception, stealing my breath. A ghostly charnel house scent came with it. The smell of old blood and rotting meat. I froze looking up at the source of the sensation. Person I'd taken to be a security guard was a vampire of the Black Court. It had been a young man. Its features looked familiar, but desiccation had left its face too gaunt for me to be sure. The vampire wasn't tall. Death had withered it into an emaciated caricature of human of a human being. Its eyes were covered with a white, roomy film, and flakes of dead flesh fell from its decaying, drawn lips and clung to its yellowed teeth. Hair like brittle dead grass stood out from its head, and there was some kind of moss or mould growing in it. It snatched at me with inhuman speed, but my wizard sensor gave me enough warning to keep its skeletal fingers from closing on my wrist, just barely. 
The vampire caught a bit of my duster's leather sleeve with the tips of its fingers. I jerked my arm back, but the vampire had as much strength in its fingertips as I did in my whole upper body. I had to pull hard, twisting with my shoulders to break free. I choked out a shout, and a sudden rush of fear made it high and thready. The vampire rushed me, slithering out through the guardhouse window like a dry freeze snake. I had a panicked instant to realise that the vampire closed to wrestling range with my me inside the car. They'd be harvesting my organs out of a mound of scrap metal and spare parts. And I wasn't strong enough to stop it from happening. Then it goes into chapter three. They have the wrestle with the vampire. Um, it then says the squeaky growling turned to a ferocious little bark while the vampire struggled weakly. It tried to rise its white filmed eyes wide. I could see the damage the holy water had inflicted. Maybe a quarter of its head was simply gone, starting above its left ear and running down to the corner of its mouth. The edge of the holy water burns glowed with the faint golden fire. Vicious Viscous globs of gelatinous black fluid oozed from the wounds. I picked up another water balloon and lifted my arm to throw it. Vampire left out a hissing shriek of rage and terror. Then it turned and darted away, smashing through the back wall of the kiosk. Uh, then there's a little bit of talking, and then I tried the steering wheel. It was a little stiff, but it still functioned. Hail the mighty blue beetle. I found a parking space and pulled into it. The puppy's little barks became ferocious growls again. Martha wouldn't need a dark alley. She's got some serious talent for veils. She could be sitting on the hood and we might not see her. Thomas licked his lips, keeping his eyes on the parking lot. You think she's coming for you? Sure, why not? I cheated her out of destroying the sword at Miraculous, and she was an ally of Bianca's up until I killed her. Plus, we're at war. I'm surprised she hasn't shown up before now. And then, uh, Christ on a crutch. She spooks the hell out of me. Me too. I bent over and reached down beneath the driver's seat. I felt a fuzzy tail, grabbed it and drew the puppy out as gently as I could. It was the insane little notched up ear pup. He ignored me, still growling, and started shaking his head back and forth violently. Good thing we had this little stowaway, or the vamp might have gotten both of us. What's in his mouth? Thomas asked. The puppy... A lost hold of whatever he was savaging, and it landed on the floor of the blue beetle. Ugh, I said. It's the vamp's ear. Holy Worcester must have burnt it right off. Thomas glanced down at the ear and turned a bit green. It's moving. The puppy snarled and battered at the wriggling bit of rotten ear. I picked it up as lightly as I could and tossed it out. The grey and black puppy was evidently satisfied with that course of action. He sat down, opened his mouth in a doggy grin. Oh my god. I mean, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about Mouse, I don't know what would. <laughs> this little tiny puppy just going after whatever he can of uh, the vampire. I just love it. Man, such a good scene. It is. Um, and and a great place to end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think, um, shall we... Should we call it there? Yeah, we may as well. Superb. Um, so, Rob, do you want to wrap up and take us out? Uh, yeah, as always, thank you for all of the support. We will link um, all the social media stuff, our Patreon, uh, link to the book and all that kind of stuff in the description. Um, I mean, last I checked, which was a couple of days ago now, we were just about to cross 5,500 downloads. Which is super. As of, as of this morning, we are now on 5,600. Well, twist my nipples and send me to Alaska. <laughs> I'll get right on it. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, as, as usual, share, follow, subscribe. You know the drill. Next week, we'll be looking at chapters uh, 5, 6, 7, 8 of Blood Rights. I forgot how to say it for a moment, so I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you. It'll take me a while to get used to it. Um, uh, yeah, as as always, crack open a can of Coke because you've been listening to the Paranet podcast with your hosts, me, Rob Davis, and me, Patrick Lunn. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.